Amen. Good morning, City Light. Man, this is so much fun. My name is Doug, and I get to follow Jesus with all of you guys and these folks who just got baptized. Isn't baptism like an incredible thing? On the one hand, it's like so simple, right? We just dunk some people under water. There's no magic or healing powers in this water. It's just good old-fashioned council bluffs water in a tank. Yet on the other hand, something supernatural, something spiritual, something unseen was happening. These are real lives who have been rewritten and reborn by God himself, and their baptism is a powerful picture and a powerful experience of them dying to sin, dying to their old way of living, and rising again to Jesus to new life following him. Baptism is a lot like the gospel. On the one hand, it's so simple, but on the other, it's incredibly profound. And if you're new with us this morning, you're here visiting City Light, then there's one thing that we want you to hear more than anything else. And that one thing, more than wet hair and towels going all over the place, more than um, hooting and hollering and clapping and shouting, we want you to hear the gospel. And the gospel is this, God saves sinners through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, man, I was a sinner. I was jacked up in so many ways. On the outside, I looked nice, and I did nice, and I tried hard. But on the inside, I was a wreck. I was lonely. I was afraid. I was just burdened with guilt and shame. I had these sins that only I knew about, and I couldn't get rid of them. And what I needed in my life was some good news, What my good parents, my good family, my good church upbringing, my good schools, and my good friends, they all gave me good advice. But what I needed was some good news. I needed to hear that God saves sinners like me and that he doesn't do it through my good intentions or good deeds or good thoughts, but that God saves sinners like me through his very own son, Jesus Christ. I knew that Jesus lived the life that I could never live. I tried, but I failed, and Jesus did it for me. I knew that Jesus died the death that I really deserved. Man, on the inside, all that guilt was telling me that I deserved punishment, but Jesus took it for me, and then Jesus rose from the dead so that he can forever give me the power to live his way of life. I needed geared up, and I needed to grow up into Jesus, and because he rose from the dead, he gives me the power to do that. That is the story of baptism. That is the story of the gospel. And there's nothing more I would rather you hear. If you forget the whole rest of the message this morning, hear the gospel. The good news that God saves you and me, sinners though we are, not through us. We can never measure up, but Jesus measured up for us. So God saves us and brings us to himself through his very own son, Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. 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 If you're new to City Light, you should probably also know something else about us. We just preach through books of the Bible, okay? We tend to just track through books of the Bible. We take a section of Scripture, we preach it, and we just trust that the Bible is probably our best guide. And sometimes, odd sections of Scripture fall on odd Sundays, kind of like this morning, you know? Like we just baptized a bunch of people. Now we're going to talk about how children should obey their parents, okay? (laughs) Baptism, children. It doesn't seem to match up, right? But because... We love the Bible and trust the Bible. We're going to go for it, City Light, all right? You ready to go for it with me? 
Okay, let me start with this question for you. Who would you say is your favorite authority figure? Okay, now I know in our culture, our day and age, most of us, we don't like authority figures, right? But chances are, along the course of your life, you probably had an authority figure that you appreciated. Maybe it was your favorite teacher in school or professor in college. Maybe it was your mom or your dad. Maybe a boss or a coach or an employer. Maybe it's a tall, lanky pastor with pretty good hair, but he's like, skin is as pale as it goes. I'm just saying, maybe, right? Hashtag just maybe. <clears throat> so for me, I had um, a favorite soccer coach. This soccer coach taught me how to love the game, how to play hard. He taught me how to highlight the strengths of my teammates and kind of downplay the weaknesses of my teammates. More than anyone else in life, most likely this guy was responsible for helping me go from a really shy, scared kid to an outspoken young leader. He challenged me, man. He had high expectations for me. He stretched me. He called things out of me that I didn't even know were ever in me. He saw things in me that I could never see myself. He had high expectations for me, but he also had high grace for me. Whenever I would make a mistake, he didn't expose it. Whenever I missed a shot or messed up a little bit, he didn't make fun of me. Even when I was lazy or I had a bad attitude, he didn't kick me off the team. He taught me, he corrected me, and he challenged me. He had high expectations for me, but he also had high grace for me. I would dare say that your favorite authority of figure probably had similar qualities, your mom or dad, teacher or professor, boss or coach, they probably challenged you, but they also had grace for you. There's something in us that is drawn to being challenged, to someone seeing more in us than we can see in ourselves, but we're also drawn to relationship, to kindness, to grace being the way that they challenge us. High challenge, high grace. And that is the theme of what the Bible teaches when it comes to children and parents. High expectations and high grace. Okay, and I know we got some kiddos in the room this morning. It's a family Sunday. We love you children. Okay, I want you to hear you are so important to us. The Bible says that you are a blessing. You are a heritage. You're a happy future that God has given to our families and to our church. But the Bible also says that you are important today, right? God uses you to teach us a lot of things. Us adults got to learn a lot from you kids already. So children, you are our future, but you are also our today. And I believe this morning, children, that God has a word for you, okay? So open your Bibles. Mom and dad, you open yours too. We're going Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 or scroll in your phone app. However you want to get there, there's a Bible in the chair rack underneath you. That's yours for free. Take it on home. And we're going to read Ephesians 6, verse 1. I got this one memorized because I got five kids. I've quoted it quite a few times, okay? It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the kids are like, oh, man, preacher Dougie must have been talking with mom and dad this week. Are you going to tag team with them against me? Are you really just going to say the same thing that mom and dad say? Well, Yes, (laughs) but listen, it really isn't me. It really isn't even mom or dad or stepmom or stepdad or grandma or grandpa who's saying it. It's actually God. He wrote it down in his Bible. Children, 
Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. These are high expectations for children, right? And it means what it says, okay? So kiddos, listen. If your mom or dad say, hey, Johnny, I need you to take out the trash, this Bible verse right here says that your job is to go get the trash and take it out, okay? Not to throw a fit for five minutes and then take out the trash, not to like suddenly get a stomach ache and sadly have to lay down on the couch unable to take out the trash, right? Not to all of a sudden remember you got that homework or you got to finish this level of the video game or you got to practice that sport, okay? This Bible verse right here, it says that when mom or dad says, Johnny, take out the trash, your job is to go get the trash and actually take it out. It's really plain. It's really simple. It's straightforward and obvious, but it is so hard to do. Man, I remember when I was a kid. Kiddos, I've been there. One night, mom and dad said, Doug, we need you to take out the trash after dinner. I'm like, okay, I can manage this, you know. So we get finished eating, and I go, and we, the trash was in a kitchen closet. So I open up the kitchen closet. I, like, pull the trash bag out of the plastic, the tub thingy, you know, whatever that's called. And then I go to like pull up the cinch straps on it, you know. But when I pull up the cinch straps, I've got my bare foot over a corner of the trash bag. There was some glass down in that corner. So the glass ripped through the plastic and into my right big toe. It was like a little cut, but there was blood real blood. So like, this was my chance. This was my opportunity. Oh, mom, my toe is bleeding. I knew I shouldn't take out the trash. This is a tragedy. Call the ambulance. I need stitches. I should never take out the trash again, mom, right? There's something in our hearts, children, that want to do anything but obey mom and dad, you know? And adults, parents, grown-ups, it's no different for us either, there's something in our hearts that would rather do life our own way than to obey God, our Father in heaven. And just as the Bible calls children to obey their parents, the Bible calls us to obey our Father in heaven. But we push against that. We resist that. There's blood spilling, God. I might die. Or as my excuses tend to sound, I'm too busy. I don't know if you've got the right guy. Do you really mean that, God, when you say that? I don't know if I can do that. Moms and dads, listen, our fits are a little more sophisticated, but we still know how to throw a fit, don't we? We know how to do that. Obedience is expected, but obedience is difficult. So God gives us a promise to help with our motivation here. Children, listen. I know that it's hard to obey your parents. They're not perfect and you're not perfect. So God gives you a promise to help you obey what he told you to do. And that promise is this. Look at verse 2. It says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Back in the day, this promise was originally given to God's people, this huge ginormous group of people wandering in a desert and God wanted the kids to make sure they know you better obey mom and dad so you can survive the desert, find some food to eat, not become food for some wild animals and actually live long enough to get into the promised land. I believe this promise still has huge meaning for us today. So children, think about this. What do you want to be 
when you grow up? Okay, what do you want to be when you grow up? Chances are that none of you want a miserable life. You're not dreaming of flunking out of school and losing job after job and hating your life. You're probably dreaming of success, fun, like great friendships and great family. You want to grow up to be a superhero or a fireman or a school teacher or a zookeeper or an artist or maybe a tall, lanky pastor or a short pastor with a red beard that makes you look like a leprechaun. Either one, it will be great. Children, here's the deal. The Bible says that one important step for you to get what you want when you grow up is to learn to obey mom and dad now. For you to become who you really want to be, it's important for right now. I know this sounds crazy. I know this doesn't make sense, but it's important for right now when dad says, hey, sweetie, I need you to take out the trash for you to actually go take out the trash. These are high expectations, but they are for our good. Children, I want you to hear this loud and clear. God desires to give you his best for your whole life long. God desires to give you good. He wants you to enjoy life, to enjoy him, to enjoy your family, to enjoy this world that we live in. God is not a meanie pants. He's not a jerk. He's not a loser. He is a happy, loving, joyful father who can't wait to give you his best for your whole life long. And right now, while you're at this age, the best thing for you to do is obey mom and dad in the Lord, for that is right. It's high expectations, okay? Kiddos, great job listening. Keep on listening, because now I'm going to talk to your parents, and trust me, you want to hear this, all right? Paul switches gears, and he starts talking to dads, okay? He goes from children to parents. He goes from high expectations to talking about high grace. So look at Ephesians 6, verse 4. It says, I got this one memorized too because I've had to repent so many times as a dad. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but instead bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So he goes from talking to children to talking to parents. But it's interesting, isn't it? He only addresses dads. He says, fathers, don't provoke your children, right? What is up with that? Why is he only addressing dads? Now, we know that in Paul's mind, he's the guy who wrote this letter. In Paul's mind, he expects both mom and dad to be involved in teaching children and raising children and requiring obedience from children because verse 1 says, children, obey your parents, right? Both mom and dad. And then verse 2 says, honor your father and mother, okay? So moms, just so you know, all throughout the Bible, your role is celebrated, it is praised, it is encouraged. Moms, your role is essential in the family and to God. He loves your influence for your family and towards him, okay? So why does Paul only address dads? I think there are two reasons. You might want to write these down and take some notes, dads, okay? I think these are important for us today. When Paul wrote this letter, this is the first reason, dads were woefully disconnected from family life. Dads were dictators, okay? 
They would come out of their business office, whatever it is, bark out some commands, expect their wife and children and bond servants to all obey those commands while they went back to the office, back to alone, doing their business or chilling at the city gates and just leave them alone to do whatever they said. So Paul knew that he had to drive hard at dads and say, that way of fathering, it has to stop. Dad life is not dictator life, far from it. So dads, fathers, listen in. God does not just want you to be in charge. He wants you to be involved in your kids' lives. Okay, it says don't provoke your children to anger, but instead bring them up. That word bring them up literally means to nurture, to feed, to provide the proper environment and ingredients for your child to be healthy and happy. It means that you get to get out the plastic spoon and scoop the baby food and fly like a plane into your baby's mouth also. It means that those dirty diapers are your job too. It means that you get to help check the homework or teach the reading just like mama does. It means you get to toss the ball or kick the ball or have the talks or go for the walks, enter into their life to see what they're loving, liking, and enjoying and invite them into your life so they can see what you're loving, liking, and enjoying. Dads, listen, this is a big deal. Because the culture around us still says that dad should just make the money, be the sugar daddy, send the check in the mail, and then watch the game or tinker in the garage while the baby mama actually does all the real work, right? But dads, look at me, that is wrong, okay? That is sinful. It will not only kill the joy in your own soul, but it will wreak havoc in your family. You might get a new boat out of the deal, or the coolest man cave this side of the Missouri River, but you're going to end up losing your sense of purpose in life, your sense of meaning in life. You're going to end up losing your kids, and I don't want that for you. God doesn't want that for you, and that's why he says to you, don't just be in charge. Be involved in your kids' lives. That's the first reason, I believe, why Paul only addresses dads here. The second reason, I think, is this. Paul is acknowledging that dads are the head of the family. So in Ephesians 5, Paul taught, you guys remember this from last Sunday? Paul taught that the husband is the head of the wife. Eric did an incredible job with this. That means that the husband gets to sacrifice for her, to love her and give things up to the point that he can be one with her, communing with her. Now Paul extends that headship to the whole family. And again, this doesn't mean that dads are dictators, okay? Here's what it means. We'll take my family, for example. When my, um, whenever things are going wrong in my family, my children aren't obeying. They aren't listening. Whenever my wife is worn out and freaking out because the stress level in the Stevens family household just keeps on rising, okay? We get there. Whenever that's happening, let's say Jesus stops by the house to talk about what's wrong, okay? When Jesus stops by the house to talk about what's going wrong in the Stevens family, Whitney may answer the door, but Jesus is going to say, is Doug home? And then he's going to take me aside and he's say, Doug, listen, I love you and I am for you. You've seen the stress level of your wife. You know she's juggling five kids, trying to homeschool. 
She's losing sleep at night with the youngest, and then your older ones, they're having trouble obeying and responding to her. Doug, do you see all of that? And I'm going to say, yes, sir, because I've learned that it's not smart to disagree with Jesus, just so you know. (laughs) And then Jesus is going to continue, and he's going to say something like, Doug, you're the head of this family. I love you, but you've got to turn Netflix off. Instagram and your phone aren't nearly as important as your children. Your wife and your kids, they need you. And then he's going to say, Doug, come with me and let's together work on your family. He will be kind about it. But when Jesus is kind and he speaks into your soul, men, when Jesus is kind and he speaks into your soul, you have this way of responding like, I better get to work, right? He's probably not going to yell at you, men. He's not going to yell at you, dads, but Jesus has a way of getting his message across to us. Amen? That's what it means to be the head of the family. It means that when stuff is going wrong in your family, don't try to pass the blame around, all right? Oh, man, those kids, they're just so crazy if they could get their act together. Oh, my wife, she just don't know what she's... No, stop that, okay? Don't pass the buck. Instead, take the responsibility. It's your time. It's your opportunity to step up and step into the situation, to give up your personal preferences and your personal time, and instead get some time with Jesus. Dads, listen, maybe the best thing, the best takeaway you can have from this message is not that you need to try harder or do better. The best takeaway might be this. You need to get some time with Jesus and hear his invitation to you. Come with me and let's work on your family together. Dads, this is what amazes me, blows my mind. God has high expectations for our children. He expects them to obey us. And I'm so thankful that it says children should obey us in the Lord. Because if it wasn't for the Lord, my kids would have no good reason to obey me. I've messed up too much. I've blown it too often. Only in the Lord, in Jesus, can they have reason to obey me. Those are high expectations. But here's the deal, dads. The chief way that God wants to give grace to your children Lean in, okay? You're not, it's going to be hard to believe this, dads. The chief way that God wants to give grace to your children is through you. It's through you, dads. Did you know that your children will have most of their ideas of who God is and what God is like. Most of them will have those ideas formed in their little brains before they can ever spell G-O-D. Psychological studies tell us that most kids have their basic beliefs about God, about life, about meaning and purpose in their lives. They have all of that formed before the age of five. So where do they get those ideas? They come from watching you dads, when you feed them baby food, when you hold your nose and chunk the dirty diaper into the trash can, when you laugh at their jokes and listen to their stories and play with their ponies, when you kiss them goodnight or you pray for your, their owies or you open up the Bible to read them a bedtime story and just hope to God they don't ask you some theology question. When you kiss your wife or hold her hand or do the dishes, all of that says to your children, God God loves 
you. God likes you. He wants to be involved in your life. And even in saying that, I already feel like I'm doing a disservice because there's so many dads, so many moms today, and you may have grown up with a dad who didn't show you the love of God. Maybe you didn't even grow up with a dad in the house, or maybe he was distant or demeaning or even destructive. And if that's you, I just want to say sorry. I am so sorry for what you went through. And parents, and I'm talking to both dads and moms now, hear this, because of Jesus, you now have a heavenly father. And the Bible says that this heavenly father, he is crazy about you. He loves you and he likes you and he is there for you. He was there for every bump, scrape, or bruise hurting with you. He was there for your first step and when you fell hard. He was there for every good decision that you made. He was there for every bad decision that you made, being faithful to you through it all. He was there because of Jesus. You now have a heavenly father who loves you and he knows you. And his expectations are high. But his grace is even higher because his son, Jesus Christ, fulfilled all of those expectations. So now he only has grace to give to you. And I want to inspire hope in you, mom and dad. I want you to know that it's never too late to change. It's never too late to turn around and sit down with your children and say, hey, listen, children, daddy blew it. Mommy blew it, but now I know how much God loves me, and I want to love you like that. Will you forgive me, children? There's hope for you, Dad. There's hope for you, Mom. Your past mistakes do not determine your future life. When you taste the love of your heavenly Father, it can change everything. It can change your heart and your child's heart. God can work miracles to help your children obey and to help you bring them up in Jesus Christ. You see, at the end of the day, we are all children. And we all need a father who doesn't provoke us to anger, but brings us up in the discipline and the instruction of Jesus. We all need a father who, yes, he has high expectations for us and challenges us in life, but he also has so much grace to pour into us, so much love to share. We need a father who pursues us, wants a relationship with us, and sticks with us through all of our fits, our failures, and our fears. At the end of the day, we are all children, and we need a dad. And God is that for us because of Jesus. Amen.